The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Host, Galen McDowell. And I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. We're in the uh, midst of the series on the book, A Complaint-Free World. This is the second um, um, episode of, of me teaching that book. And one of the things that I did request last week was for folks who are following along and listening to the show to actually get the book a complaint free world by will bowen it's a 21 day challenge not to complain not to criticize and not to gossip 21 days and you really need the book to really get a full overview of how to work it because there's some subtleties to it and you really have to understand okay what what is you know, a, a complaint, you know, what really is criticism and gossip? Because sometimes people don't know how to navigate that process because it's so new. We're so used to, you know, as I said, um, you know, last week, uh, being petty, that it's challenging to think without having that pettiness be a part of our thinking process. Therefore, what's the difference between, you know, having constructive conversations how do you troubleshoot how do you deal with problems things of that nature without gossiping without criticizing without uh complaining there are ways to take authentic action and there are ways to use authentic words i'm going to cover some of that material today but i don't want us to anyone to think that this show is exhaustive you have to get with the book. You have to get with the material. You have to get with the whatever is being taught through me on these shows or any other uh, vessel or channel or conduit that, including yourself of spirit, and work with the material and start asking the questions. 
the hard questions and recognize that when in doubt, when in doubt, if you're not sure, you're probably complaining. <laughs> but anyway, let's get to it. Uh, we're um, on part two of the book now, which is Conscious Incompetence. Now, I'm not going to go back over and teach all of it, but this book is basically taught in four stages. Unconscious Incompetence. Basically, you don't know that you don't know. Conscious Incompetence. You know that you don't know. Conscious Competence, which is basically, it takes a lot of conscious mental effort to do it, but you can do it because you understand it. And Unconscious Competence competence which is when it turns into more of a subconscious habit where now you're doing it out of habit instead of having to think about it sort of like learning how to drive a car when you first learn how to drive a car and you become conscious competence you know you're paying attention to every little detail but once you learn how to drive a car and you have some level of mastery driving a car you do things so unconsciously checking your rear view and side view mirrors you're turning the gear shifts you're braking and accelerating all in the midst of having conversations you know turning the radio up and down uh you know you know listening to your navigation uh tell you where you to go etc etc traffic's all around you and those things are just happening at full speed but you're not bothered by it because you have a certain level of mastery so you just automatically respond the way you're supposed to respond if something happens that you don't recognize you got to break hard you got to swerve or whatever you do it without panic where maybe beforehand it would have took a lot of mental effort or you might have froze now you just do it automatically so i think part of the process is us understanding that we can get to the point of unconscious competence. And once it's drilled in, it becomes our default way of thinking, feeling, and speaking. I would say even acting and reacting. So we're at the stage now of conscious incompetence. So let's get to it. So we're starting with chapter three, and it's about complaining and relationships. Complaining and relationships. And it starts off with a quote from Stephen Hawking, which states, It is a waste of time to be angry about my disability. One has to get on with life, and I haven't done badly. People won't have time for you if you're always angry or complaining. Mm. All right. So the book starts off by saying in that first uh, first page of the third chapter. When you enter the conscious incompetence stage, you are uncomfortably aware, conscious of just how often you complain are incompetent. So I just want to make sure, according to the author, conscious incompetence just means that you're uncomfortably aware of just how often you complain incompetent. Then he says, when we complain, we may gain the benefits of attention or sympathy. And, and I, I had to ask myself, have I ever, of course I have, complained to get attention or sympathy? You might want to ask yourself the same question. Or do I complain to get attention or sympathy? 
He goes on to say, we may also avoid having to do something that causes us to stretch. Have you ever complained to get out of doing something? Do you complain to get out of doing things you know you need to do? He says, but we walk a fine line when we complain. Chronic complainers can end up ostracized by those around them who find their energy drained by the complainer. Mm. When you complain a lot, sooner or later that starts to pull a, it starts to drag on people. He says, you probably know people who leave you feeling depleted through their complaining nature, meaning this is just something that they do is so consistent. It's a part of who they are. These people literally draw your energy as if it is converted into commiseration. So what he's saying is this, there's some people, if you're around them enough, They'll drain, if you allow them to, they they can drain your energy just from the negative vibration, negative words, negative reactions, outlook on life. Be very, very, very careful about the people you have in your space. Now, now let me just say this, because people who do work like, you know, ministry, we have to deal with situations and circumstances, but we know that going in police officers, fire department, folks, military, some things. In other words, the type of occupation you have might mean it is somewhat unavoidable, but in your personal space, be mindful. And when you go into the other space, make sure you fortify your mind, make sure that you are up on your prayer work, on your meditation work, on your study work. Make sure that you are doing what you need to do to offset the energy that you're dealing with. I can remember years ago hearing um, uh, uh, when Dr. Phil was on Oprah, he said that he would go play tennis after he would see clients when he was a full-time therapist. Because he had to shake off the energy. So, you know, you're, you're seeing people basically, basically your job is for people to dump their problems on you all day long, Monday through Friday. And then you want to come home and deal with your family, he had his wife and his kids. And he discovered that that wasn't working for him or his family. So what he learned to do was... He went and he liked to play tennis when he was younger. He might still now. So he would go quickly change clothes, go to the tennis court place, get him a good hour in, knocking that ball back and forth over the net. And when he came home, his mind was clear. His body had got that energy off of him. And it allowed him to go forward. So what he did was he found a way instead of complaining, oh, these people are so draining. Oh, these people are so whatever. And then we become a martyr of our own philosophy. Uh, helping all these people can be so much. It pulls on me so much. Instead of finding some something that you like to do that can help dissipate that energy so you're not just absorbing it. All right. So he goes on to say on page 55. Oh, let me, let me, 
uh, he says people tend on page 54 of my book, at least people tend to run along a continuum in degrees of rarely complaining to constantly complaining. If a person within a group falls too far out of the norm for the group in time, that person will find that he or she is no longer welcome. So when you're not, when you are complaining at the level of the people that you talk to the most, you fit in. You know, it's within degrees. I mean, because you might not see how you complain or how you criticize or how you gossip or how you throw shade. But if you're mindful, you probably are noticing some other people do it. And maybe, just maybe, those relationships are based upon the complaining, the criticism, the gossip, and throwing shade at other people. And not based upon anything holistic, anything real, anything substantive. And when you no longer fit that vibe, you got to keep it moving because birds of a feather flock together. And this is what he says on page 55 of my book. Do you find yourself in a nest of complainers? Are you surrounded by people who gripe? Then I've got some sobering news for you. We tend to be around people who are like us and to migrate away from those who are unlike us. Mm. If I got a lot of flaky people around me, there's some flakiness in me. If I got a lot of lazy folks around me, some laziness in me. If I got a lot of procrastinators around me, there's some procrastination in me. You know, one of the challenges that, you know, sometimes I know that I have is I don't like spending unnecessary time talking on the phone. Like, you know, you have friends and whatever. I, I'll take 20 calls in a day from one person if they're like one, two, three minutes, say what we need to say, get off the phone but. But that same person tried to keep me on the phone for an hour and a half. I was like, well, why, why are we on the phone? Because once you run out of stuff to talk about, <laughs> then it's time to move on and do something else. Uh, but you have to be mindful of that. So if you want to shift your energy, one of the f- first ways you have to do to shift your energy is find out how you're utilizing your time. You know, and... And obviously to be a good friend and a family member and a person that supports others, you want to be there for other people when they need you. I'm not saying that they don't. Sometimes people need to be able to talk. Sometimes people need to get stuff off that chest. I get that. Part of being a friend. Part of it, the challenge, though, is this. Um, your time can't be that free all the time. And sometimes you put off doing what you want to do because... Other people have things that they're unwilling to resolve and they consistently talk to you instead of dealing with the issues. You know, you know, um, as I tell people in my classes all the time, if you really want to see if a person really wants a breakthrough when they call you complaining about a thing. All you have to do is start saying, OK, let's pray about that right now. We need a breakthrough. 
and let's see if they're open to the prayer. And once you finish praying about the subject, get off the phone. Now, if they call you back for prayer and say, hey, I'm going through this, 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 I need prayer, pray about it. And if you keep praying about a thing, I mean, like literally just transitioning right into prayer. Literally. Oh, man, that's a real issue. We know we need to pray about that. Let's get still right now, you know, and just go into your prayer. And I just needed you to listen. Okay, I get that. But we need some breakthroughs. You're like, well, that's being weird. Okay. Well, you complaining about something, the same person, the same problem, the same issue, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, nothing changes. That's crazy. That's crazy. Praying about a thing is not crazy. Um, and a person draining you of uh, of of mental energy, emotional energy, time, and time is crazy. And he talks about how people are always looking for other people to, uh, you know, this will be a great program for my friend. Or this would be great if my friend got it. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting your friend to get a thing. But make sure you get it first. He says on page 56 of, again, I have the hardcover book, so I don't know if the, the, I don't know how many editions are it. I have the original version. On page 56, he quotes Richard Bach from Illusions when he says, like attracts like. Then he says, people who are alike, be they complainers or grateful people, attract one another. And people who are not alike, repel one another we are energy we are all energy beings and energy does not vibrate at the same frequency does not harmonize and this this is really a powerful statement because it says what is it in me that's attracted to that uh, that individual or these individuals or these type of circumstances etc and these are hard questions to ask i know and it doesn't invalidate Things that people went through or go through, uh, you know, especially, you know, um, things, you know, childhood and other things of that nature. But it, but we have to get to the point if we want to heal and we want to transform where well, we ask the hard questions, not for blame, not to blame, but to, to take responsibility from this perspective. I have the ability to decide if I'm going to be happy or not. I take full responsibility for my life, regardless of what has happened to me. That's true responsibility, not blame. Well, you know, this horrible thing happened to me because it was my consciousness. That's blame. I choose to be to live from my spiritual nature. I choose to live from holiness. I choose to forgive because I want to be free. That's responsibility. Different issue altogether. All together. Uh, we're not that far from our first break. So I want to remind you that this show, along uh, with all the other shows uh, on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donation. So as you freely receive, freely give, go to unity.fm, click on the giving button or the donate button. I think it says giving now and help support this online ministry. Um you know, I always say when I teach class, these shows on prosperity that, you know, the ties should go to, to, to where you get your spiritual support. So, uh, just keep that in mind. Um, 
you know, who's feeding you. Anyway, the other thing is, you know, and I always say that because you're also many of you also are connected to local churches and uh, organizations that help feed you. And um, those leaders need the support to continue doing the ministry. And, you know, sometimes it's a misperception that, you know, every minister is driving around with uh, five Rolls Royces. Um, why not taking care of people? And this is just not accurate. It's just not a true reflection of ministry. And uh, and I could go into a whole bunch of other things about us caring about somebody else's demonstration. But what's important is us understanding that you know, like 99% of ministries that are functioning out here need the support to continue doing what they do. Anyway, um, support the ministry. It's, uh, it's time for our first break, so we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Do you ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Alright, welcome back to Truth Transforms. So, on page 56, the author goes on to state, 
thoughts are to our energy. And you attract things that harmonize with your thought patterns and repel things that do not. Hear me again. Thoughts to our energy. One of the definitions that Charles Fillmore uses for uh, thoughts is thoughts are mental vibrations or impulse. So the form of energy. And you attract things that harmonize with your thought patterns and repel things that do not. Your words indicate, reinforce, and perpetuate your thoughts. So when you complain, you're actually repelling what you profess to want. So the, so the more you keep your mind on what you don't want, uh, the more you're saying energetically you do want. So when you give your mind, when your mind is focused on complaining, it looks for things to complain about, which you then find, which gives you more things to complain about. And then it becomes its own loop. So your mind is looking to com- for complaints. You find things to complain about, so you complain, which gives your mind more energy to look for things to complain about. And then you find things to complain about. And then you complain and over and over and over and over. He says, he goes on to say on page 57, he's talking about uh, this couple who every time one of the, 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 uh, the spouse, the husband or the wife wasn't the, the spouse, the other spouse wasn't around. They would complain about it. So the wife was always complaining about the husband when he wasn't around. Or the husband was always complaining about his wife when she wasn't around and how that didn't work. So one of the things that he concluded was on page 57, he says, misery not only loves company, it derives validation from it. Mm. Misery not only loves company. It derives validation from it. Now think about that. So when I complain, I'm validating. I'm I'm being validated, like going to a you know parking garage with a validated ticket. It's you know you you it's 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 almost a stamp of approval. He says over time. We excused ourselves from spending time with this family and ultimately lost contact with them. So he said that being around them and their misery didn't work. So he had to get rid of them. Why? Because they'll phase away because if you're not on the same vibe, you got to keep it moving. Then he talks about triangulation. He says talking to someone other than the person who brings up your unhealed feelings is triangulation. If you're unfamiliar with triangulation, it occurs when you have an uncomfortable situation with someone, but discuss the problem with someone else rather than going to the person directly. Healthy communication is talking directly and only to the person you have an issue with. Talking to someone else is complaining. It's triangulation and it perpetuates rather than solves the problem. So when you're always complaining to you know, to your girlfriends or your homies, that's a term for, uh, I guess you would say, well, I'm using the term for male friends. If you're talking to your girlfriends or your homies about your significant other, that's triangulation because you're not dealing with the issue. You're not dealing with the issue. If you're complaining all the time about your children, whether they be uh, adolescent or adult, to someone else and not addressing the issues with your children, that's triangulation. You're not getting to the 
to the to the core or the root of the matter. So we'd rather complain about them than do something about it. And it's a way of projecting responsibility off of yourself. So it feels good to complain about it. And to a certain extent, it's it's one of the things that that keeps us going, our ability to complain. What do I mean keep us going? Some people feed off of it. What would that, they don't even know what their lives would look like without being a person that's hypercritical of other folks and what they're doing. You know, and one of the things that, you know, I'm always telling my daughter is when people complain about their children, it's like Dr. Frankenstein complaining about the Frankenstein monster, but not realizing that they created the Frankenstein monster. So many times, many ways, people parent us a particular kind of way that is not necessarily conscious. I'll put it that way, not conscious and not necessarily um, beneficial to the relationship they desire. Yet then they try to parent the, the child in the teenage years and the high school years or as an adult and they wonder why the relationship isn't way, the way they want it to be. Well, you aren't intentional. And you don't want to take responsibility for the kid you helped develop who showed signs of this type of behavior or they're modeling yours and you just don't see it in them. You know, some some people, especially parents, Children dynamics are the way they are because the parent can't see that their child is almost just like them. Almost just like them in one way or another. Complaining, petty, um, um, emotional validation needed, um, um, it's, you know, all in their feelings, over-emotionalism, meaning over-emotional, meaning that they're guided more by their emotionalism than by logic, reason, or spiritual understanding. Saying whatever they think about or whatever comes up at the time. Reactionary, sensitive, mean, And because they don't see it in themselves, but they see it in that child because it's easier to see somebody doing something to you than what you do to other people. They don't realize that they just created their own Frankenstein monster. And if anybody's seen the movies, uh, the various versions of Frankenstein knows that the monster kills the doctor. It's not a secret. If you haven't seen Frankenstein, you know, movie's been out since like 1945. Anyway, moving along. So he talks about gossip on page 59. And he says, this is, this explains why I lump gossip with complaining. Am I opposed to gossip? Absolutely not. As long as, number one, what you are saying about the absent person is complimentary. Two, you would repeat word for word what you are saying if the absent person were present. Uh, hear me. He gives some qualifiers. So, Because here's the thing. Technically, if you talk about anybody else 
and they're not present. It could be viewed as gossip. So he gives some ground rules. What you are saying about the person absent is complimentary. Two, you will repeat word for word what you are saying if the absent person were present. Now, why is this important? Because you're training your mind to shift out of complaining, criticizing, and gossiping. It's not about the other person. Well, you don't know how they are, and you don't know what they do. And and I'm responsible. I'm a supervisor. I'm a head of a household or whatever. Okay, then great. Take authentic action. But to just complain about it and take no and not take authentic action doesn't make sense. That's complaining. So he says, be careful to not to try to um, say something negative and pretend it's positive. It either is or isn't. He says, if you're a person who normally gossips, you'll find that speaking only praise about those not present takes the fun out of it. In today's society, gossip usually means nitpicking. Do you know what the term nitpicking comes from? Lice eggs are called nits. To nitpick means to pick lice eggs from another scalp. The thing about lice is they'd love to move from one host to another. Don't pick nits or you might become infested. Uh, Great analogy. Then he goes on to say, one of the main reasons we gossip or complain is to make ourselves look better by comparison. We're going to park here for a second. One of the main reasons we gossip or complain is to make ourselves look better by comparison. It's subtle. But we make ourselves look better by downing other people. In our own minds, you can never make yourself better. But in our own minds, we view it. Even if it's unconscious. Well, I, you know, a person says, well, I, I don't care what that person does or doesn't do. Okay, then why are they always uh, on your lips? In other words, why are you always talking about them? He says, when I point out your faults, then I'm implying that I have no su- such faults, so I'm better than you are. Something to think about. Then he says, complaining is bragging. Mm, and nobody likes a bragger. Now, that, that's kind of funny because, you know, when you start thinking about bragging, you know, talking about what you have and what you, you know, what you do and whatever, et cetera. Not from the standpoint of t- having authentic conversation, but because you just want the praise to go lo- along with it. Um, can also work when you down somebody because it makes you look better in comparison. This is one of the reasons why I say that sometimes I have a challenge with uh, Christian language because I'm a big believer that I don't have to demote myself to promote Jesus. You know, Jesus can get his shine and, and I can get mine too. There's nothing I can say that can demote Jesus and his demonstrations. But I don't have to devalue myself to promote him. I don't have to devalue myself to promote Jesus. I don't have to be a worm in the dust, a filthy rag, and all the other stuff that goes along. I'm sure if you listen to this show, you probably don't believe those things. But it's in your unconscious. If you were raised around that, you might not even realize it. It's subconsciously in there somewhere and it'll 
and it will pop up when you don't think about it. You never have to devalue yourself to promote somebody else. All right, back to the book. Bottom of page 60 states, noticing it is an, it is in another is the universe's way of inviting you to recognize it in yourself and heal it. If you want to point out something negative in another, do some digging. See if it's also within you and be grateful for this chance to now be aware of the shortcoming and heal it within yourself. So I'm seeing it. I'm recognizing it. Because I reckon, because it's in me. Can I really see something I have no awareness of? This is a question. Can I really see something that I don't have any awareness of? No context of. It's not in my paradigm. It's not in my realm of knowing. Can I really see something? Can I see opportunities that I don't have a consciousness to see? It, it, it just it just gives you something to think about. So we have to do our own inner work. And we have to focus on ourselves. As it says on page 65 of my book, there's an old Russian proverb. If you want to clean up the entire world, begin with sweeping your own doorstep. That's how we change the world. First, by transforming ourselves. That's how it's done. That's how it's always done. And if we try to start from the outside in instead of the inside out, we normally fail. We normally fail. So also, let me remind you really quickly, because it's almost a couple of minutes out from our second break. If by chance you did want to call into the show during the last part that's coming up, the third part of the show, uh, you can call in at 888-558-6489. 888-558-6489. Also, this show, along with all the shows on Unity Online Radio, are on iTunes for free and Stitcher, which is a radio app, online radio app for podcasts on Android devices. So you will go to your Google Play Store and basically type in Stitcher, S-T-I-T-C-H-E. Something like that. S-T-I. Something. Stitcher. You find it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> and uh, make sure you do that. When you're on iTunes or Stitcher, make sure that you give it a, a good five-star review. Why? Because the more five-star reviews, the more um, positive reviews, the more attention it gets from iTunes or Stitcher, which gives it the opportunity to be presented and promoted on those sites. If something is getting a lot of reviews, it helps. I also have a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Please go on it, like it, give it a five-star review, give it positive reviews because the more positive reviews it has, the more opportunity it has to go across the uh, news feeds of people who are like-minded. So, Based upon how you respond to the show and the mediums through which it is on helps get this message out to the world. So make sure that you do that. Obviously, you can go to the website. If you're listening live, you know that. Share it. Put things on your page, things of that nature. Let folks know about it. Be an evangelist for the show. Um, 
let people know if it's helping you let other people know about it so they can benefit from it. They might not want this, but they might want spiritual healing or they might want prosperity. They might want prayer or some of the Bible things I've done, et cetera. But give people the opportunity to work with their own lives and transform their space. So we're going to take our last break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. So we're going to go for this last segment of the show on to the next um, chapter, chapter four, Waking Up. Now again, I skipped over a lot of stuff and I'm only teaching this particular book for a month. So imagine the amount of material that you could benefit from if you get the book. So I'm going to strongly say, and I don't know, uh, Reverend Will Bowen. I've never met him. Um, only know about him through his work, but this book, a complaint free world is a book that I highly recommend. And not only do I highly recommend because the whole church, Christ Universal Temple, as I stated last week, did it last year in November. Reverend Wells taught it for a month and then we kind of extended, you know, the conversation around it uh, into the new year. Uh, I think this is a book that you can give with your Christmas presents. 
And I, le- I literally mean that. People are like, well, why would you give a person a book on a Christmas as a Christmas present? I'm not saying don't get them whatever else you're going to give them. But with a little note on the inside written down, you know, I was reading this book and this book has been so transformative to me. It's made me be a better person. And I just want to share something with you that I think is that, that has benefited from me. I'm not trying to say anything about you or anything or whatever, whatever, you know, make, clean it up to say, I'm not saying you're a negative person. I'm giving you a book about complaining, but get them the book, get them the little wristband and they might do it. They might not do it. But guess what? You being a vessel through which when if they want to look at life differently, say, hey, let's see if we can do this together. Let's see as a family if we can do this together. Let's see as a job if we can do this together. And you say, well, well, how do you know if that can work? How do you know it won't work? If you don't try, and even if you don't accomplish it. The fact that you were in it together trying to do something for the betterment of all is something that's good for the environment, whatever your environment is. To take the time, and this is about a, this book is an easy, easy read. It's plain, it's practical, it can be read by anybody of any religious or non religious philosophy, even if a person believes in all the God stuff, which is obviously is in this book. Thoughts of things and consciousness and Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But it's not written as a because of the theology. It's written because of, and it's popular because of its pragmatic approach to changing behavior. So on the chapter four is titled "Waking Up," and he says on page seventy one of my book. Remember, we're concerned only with complaints we speak. Again, he drills home. That if you think it and don't say it, it doesn't matter as far as the 21 day challenge is concerned, because the exercise is to stop speaking complaints, criticisms and gossip based upon the regulations he stated in the book. That's that's a part of the challenge. He says, for the purpose of the 21 day challenges challenge, we are working only to eradicate complaints that are expressed. If you think it, it is free. It doesn't count. You will find that as you say fewer and fewer complaints, your mind will produce fewer and fewer of them. See, it's a discipline. We'll talk more about that later. For now, just focus on any griping that actually escapes your mouth. Beware. So he gives us a warning. The conscious and confident stage is where I've seen a lot of people give up and go back to their old ways. Ways. The wave stops with them the ripple no longer spreads now so he's saying that once people come aware of how much they complain but they don't but then they're not in the they're not necessarily they're, they're not they haven't shifted to conscious competence yet or conscious uh, or unconscious competence and then he's like oh my god this is where it really is. And instead of going forward, for lack of terms, to use a substance abuse term, they relapse. Relapse back into unconscious incompetence or relapse back into just criticizing all the time and complaining and gossiping. It's literally a relapse. 
because you're saying this is what I want to do. But then the momentum gets lost because when you when you start a new thing, you have a lot of energy. But when you start getting into what it really takes to produce what you want, it requires a lot of energy, uh, focus, concentration, willpower, strength. I'm talking about mental strength. If you're, you know, people who diet. So, okay, I'm going to change my eating habits and I'm going to work out four days a week and I'm going to eat more salads and fruits and I'm going to get rid of the refined sugar and et cetera, et cetera. And it all sounds great. And then you get some weeks in. Sometimes people don't even make weeks in. Some people, they get days in like, oh, my body wants that Pepsi. I want those cookies. I can't give up the cake. I can't give up the fast food. But then we don't get to look the way we want to look. So once you become aware of what you've been eating, this is another example, then you realize just how bad your eating habits are and how it doesn't necessarily feed your body as a temple. Some folks eat all the time. You know, I'm often asked because I have, I will admit, I have a pretty healthy appetite for a thin guy. And, you know, people always ask me, how can you eat like that and not gain weight? I said, well, well, you know, it's like, well, I'm not bony. I said, but I don't eat all day. When I eat, I eat. And when I don't, I don't. I don't snack. I rarely snack. You know, people who snack will eat all day. When they're not eating their meals, they got the potato chips. They got the cookies. They have the whatever they're eating, Cheetos. I don't know. When they snack, they're not eating apples. They're they're not eating grapes. They're not eating bananas. They're not eating strawberries. They're not eating some form of vegetable. Some people snack all day. Snickers, Baby Ruth. They snack all day. Pop, fruity drinks. And then they wonder why they can't get rid of the belly fat. Same thing. You might be aware of the fact that you snack all day. And instead of changing the habits and going forward to look the way you want to look, you just keep doing it and you're going to get the same results. Because insanity is thinking that you can do the same thing the same way and get a different result. Anyway, one of the things that he mentions in the book that I think is really powerful is the words in a complaint and a non-complaint can be identical. What distinguishes the two is your meaning, your energy behind them. The conscious and confidence stage is all about becoming aware of what you say and more important, the energy behind what you are saying. Now, I love this point. How do I know if it's a complaint? He says in my book on page 74, if you have to ask, it's probably a complaint. Start over and remember that this is about transforming your life, not rushing through the experience. It is not a race. It's a process. Mm. 
if you have to ask, it's probably a complaint. That's a very good place to start. Because if you're doing the 21-day challenge, again, get the wristband, do the things you need to do. If you're a CUT person and you, you were around here last year, you want to pick this back up, you already have the book, you already have the wristband we made, then put your wristband on and start the process back again. And every time you complain, criticize, or gossip um, in violation of the regulations that have been stated in the book, switch the wristband from one wrist to another. The goal is to get 21 days in a row. He says, it's a complaint if you want the personal situation changed. If you want it other than how it is, it's a complaint and not a statement of fact. Hmm. And I know we try to get, you know, uh, use large examples. What about the president of the United States? What about the Congress? What about the whatever? Most of the time, those are distractions not to deal with what's right in front of us. And I don't mean that you're not supposed to deal with those things. What I'm saying is we, we complain about it. A lot of people who complain don't even vote. Uh, some people who complain are part, uh, uh, who vote are part of the negative conversations that create or generate negative responses and make people not vote or not participate in things of that nature. But what he's talking about is dealing and having a level of mastery over your regular everyday life. And when we try to use um, celebrities and politicians as our examples, we actually are making excuses not to deal with what's right in front of us. You're not you're not frustrated on a daily basis because of what's happening in the White House. You're frustrated because of what's happening in the house of your mind. And maybe your physical house and what's happening there. All right. He goes on to say, page 76, ask yourself, do people who are confident, secure in themselves brag? The answer is no. People who have healthy self-esteem, people who enjoy their strengths and accept their weaknesses, people who are comfortable with themselves and don't need to build themselves up in the eyes of others. These people don't brag. A person who is insecure, who doubts their value and questions their importance, will brag and complain. They will tell you of their accomplishments, hoping to see approval reflecting back in the eyes of their listeners. That's powerful. The truth is they complain because they don't feel they deserve what they want. Mm. Mm. And again, this is not devaluing what anything anybody's going through. But it's acknowledging that we have the power to take responsibility so we can change and shift our lives. So we've run out of time today. So next week, I'm going to be reading chapter five and six, which is part three, conscious competence. God bless you. And I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple.
You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it. And according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. There were once two monks who slept late and missed their morning prayers. The very strict abbot ordered the monks to do penance for their lack of discipline. They had to walk all day with peas in their shoes. One monk moaned with every step he took. The other just smiled with a secret satisfaction. Finally, the one monk in agony asked, Brother, how is it that you can stand to walk on these dry, hard peas? The happy monk replied, I boiled my peas. We all have difficulties that seem to cause us great pain as we walk through life. But there is a way to deal with life's challenges. Changing your thoughts and actions can change the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.